I'm Bishop Robert. Each life is a story. We don't remember days, we remember moments that touch our hearts. I want to invite you to come on in and have a seat in my study. Let's you and I spend a few minutes together and consider a verse of scripture and how to apply it to those moments that fill up our lives. My hope is that it speaks to your heart, your mind, and your soul. And I hope you'll be back often. Welcome. It's Palm Sunday, and Holy Week begins. This is the week of the cross and the empty tomb. The week in history upon which Christianity rises or falls. Hey, welcome to Mornings with Bishop Robert. Thanks for joining me here at the beginning of Holy Week, on the top spot on the internet for Coffee with a Cleric. You know, my goal It's to introduce people to the Jesus they never knew and help them get to know him and his word personally and better. So if our time together today speaks to your heart, let me invite you to like, subscribe, and also share this video with a friend. You know, Holy Week contains all the hallmark events declaring that Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Messiah. His teachings were astounding throughout his ministry marveled at by many. But there were many good teachers who were not the Messiah. Uh, He had clear prophetic insight. Great, great, amazing. But the pages of Scripture are filled with other prophets. Jesus performed miracles throughout his ministry from, from beginning to end. But even in this, he's not unique. It's in Holy Week We walk with Jesus through the streets of Jerusalem and watch him demonstrate his lordship, his royal authority, his divinity. It's in this week that his claims, claims to be the Messiah, Emmanuel, God among us in human flesh, it's in this week that he proves them all. The week in history upon which Christianity rises or falls. It culminates in an empty tomb. And that empty tomb is the absolute hinge pin of history. While Mornings with Bishop Robert will be a little bit different this week, and the portions of scripture that we'll look at as we gather together, well, they won't be just single sentences, but but a bit larger portions of scripture. Things that will help us lay the foundation for the key points we'll consider each day. Here's our first scripture portion. It's found in the 21st chapter of Matthew's Gospel. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the palm trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! It's Palm Sunday. Seven days before we celebrate the the signal feast of the church. Let's consider the signs of kingship and discipleship that we find 
in Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Matthew rightfully draws our attention to the prophetic sign of kingship in Christ's entry into Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey in the fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy that Zion's king would come riding on the colt of a donkey. It was a prophetic sign they could not miss. Now, first of all, please note that the gospel writers tell us this was a colt upon whom no one had ever sat. Hey, if you want to understand the depth of Christ's authority, you ought to give this a try. (laughs) I guarantee you're going to be in for one wild ride. Short, but wild. But the donkey recognizes the authority of its creator and obeys in humble submission. (laughs) That's more than can be said for many of us. The Messiah didn't arrive on, on the steed of a warrior like the Roman conquerors, but upon an animal that marked him as the king of peace. The one Zechariah had said would banish both chariot and warrior's bow and proclaim peace. The king whose dominion would not be limited to just one nation or region, but whose dominion would be from sea to sea, into the very ends of the earth. And as he prepared to enter Jerusalem, Christ's royal authority was evident in multiple ways on this day. He commandeered the donkey and her colt with only the explanation that the Lord needs it and will send it back shortly. I mean, think about this. If you own an automobile, can you imagine someone coming to take it with only those ten words? (laughs) I mean, we may have questioned the request, but Christ's royal authority put every other question to rest. And in this, we see that the king's authority extends down to the least elements of the kingdom. His kingship is also recognized in the acclamation of the crowds as he rides down the Mount of Olives from Bethany. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Watching him ride the donkey down the Mount of Olives, the people were giving him the red carpet treatment of that day. As he rode along, they they spread their cloaks on the road for the donkey to walk on. Even the authority of the religious leaders was subject to his. Yeah, when, when the Pharisees instructed Jesus to silence the people, saying, Hey, teacher, rebuke your disciples! He rebuked them instead. He said, Really? If they keep quiet, the very stones will cry out. Can you picture this royal parade? Jesus sitting on a donkey, coming down the street that joins the top of the Mount of Olives with the Kidron Valley and the gate entering the temple. The throngs of people lining the street, shouting their hosannas, yelling out their praises. It's as joyous a display as any you've ever seen. But as he approaches the city, Something happens you don't want to miss. Jesus begins to weep. 
He's not crying about the pain this week is going to bring him. Not crying about the violent death. He knows he's going to have to suffer. No, he weeps over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, if only you had known on this day the things that make for peace. He knew their rejection of his kingship would put a chain of events in motion that would lead to their death and destruction. It wasn't his impending death that broke his heart and reduced him to tears. It was theirs. And so, surrounded by shouts of praise in a parade filled with joyous acclamation, Jesus rides the donkey into the city in tears. That's an image that ought to make us pause. You know, entering Jerusalem, he continues to show the full spectrum of his dominion, that it extends not just to the least elements, but also to the greatest He demonstrates his absolute authority over every person and even the activity in the temple because it's his father's house. And Christ's authority extends there as well. So Jesus goes and overturns the tables and and drives out those selling doves and exchanging money. And both the chief priests and the teachers of the law stand by silently not even sending the temple guards to stop him. And Jesus tells them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer. But you made it into a den of robbers. Just hours ago, this was clearly their realm. But in this hour, it's his and his alone. Finally, as if to demonstrate that his kingship and his rule extends over every conceivable situation, The Gospels report that Jesus took his seat in the temple and as he sat, he taught. And as he taught, even the chief priests and the scribes, the principal men of the people who were seeking to destroy him, didn't find anything they could do because all the people were hanging on his words. And as he sat and taught, he also healed the blind And the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. The king demonstrates absolute power and authority. So as we enter Holy Week, what then shall our response to this king be? How do we demonstrate our submission to the dominion of the king of kings? Well, we draw our answer in the disciples among the crowds. John reports to us that the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb continued to spread the word. You see, the events of Holy Week remind us that Jesus was not the only person called from the tomb, and neither was Lazarus, nor any of those raised from the dead at Christ's hand during the three years of his earthly ministry. We, too, who believe in him, have been called from our tombs and raised to a new life. We, like them, are called to continue to spread the word. And we do so in the hope of the same result. 
John continues by reporting to us that many people went out to meet him because of what they had heard. Let our words and our actions be such that many people seek him. Many people meet him. Many people commit to follow him. So what then is the greatest sign of a disciple? Well, let me suggest that it can be found in one small, in fact, often overlooked verse from Matthew's account of Christ's triumphal entry. Ten words. Ten words that apply as much to us today as they ever did to anyone standing beside the Messiah as he rode into Jerusalem that day. Here they are. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. Friends, that's all the time we've got for today. But before you go, I'd like to ask you to help me introduce people to the Jesus they never knew and help them get to know him and his word personally and better. Would you please like this video? It really, truly does help more people see it. Then click follow or subscribe so you and I can get together every day. If you click the link in the description, I'll give you a free copy of my book, Count to One. God's plan for Christian unity. I'll drop it right in your inbox. And one more thing. Would you share this video with a friend? Because as you do, you are part of the team, touching hearts all over the world with the love of Jesus. Thank you for helping.